But yeah, maybe with this newfound responsibility, I will just start looking at comedy in a different way. Won't be so uh, in my head about it, you know? Who has time to be in their head about it when from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. they're taking care of a little rug-ratted bastard? And then I go out to the shows, and I'm all business, right? I'm all business when I'm at the show. Guys, I don't have time to fraternize. I don't have time to sit around and him and ha. I don't have time to do the same old tired jokes. I got, I have a limited amount of, amount of work I can get done in this period of time. So here we go. Boom, boom, boom. And, you know, that's what Louis C.K. said, by the way. Louis, longtime listener of the podcast, he was saying that um, when he had his kids, he has two. When he had his kids, that's when the work really started for him. He was a he was a comedian in New York, but he wasn't doing he wasn't the Louis C.K. everybody knows. He wasn't even close. You know, he's doing the same half hour for about ten years. He was saying, and um, then when the kids came around, he just something kicked in, and. When he went out to the club, it was no time to fuck around. You got to get out there and you got to get the job done. And you got to work as efficiently as you can. He said it really helped him. So that's me now. Not only am I going to take care of Sam in a way that no daycare worker could ever do, I am also going to become world famous. This is going to be a great six months, guys. It's going to be a great six months. But right now, he has been, like, he's just, maybe it's us, right? Like they say, if you're training a dog, the dog can sense if you're nervous, if you're afraid, if you're happy. Like, they feed off your energy. Babies are the same way. And and my wife seems like she's pretty relaxed about going back. I suppose she fucking is. She gets to go back to work and talk to humans and, and uh, go get a nice paycheck for doing a good job, you know? She's good at what she does. She likes what she does. You know, she's she's going to benefit greatly. She's not going to have to work half as hard as she used to. Because here, even though I was with her, you know, I wasn't doing I wasn't doing that much, which makes me far less prepared for what's about to happen. She keeps telling me you have no idea. You have no idea, which is insulting. Number 1, cuz A, what do you think I don't know things? And B, you're implying that I haven't been doing anything for the last year that you've been home. And I know I'm not doing as much as, as she's doing. Let me tell you something. I'm doing more than any other dad I've ever heard of. I don't know any other dad who's been home all day, every day for a, for the first year of the child's life. And that's just, sure, that's a circumstance that I would have been home anyway. With or without the child, I would have been home day in and day out, uh, barring a few stand-up dates here and there. But look, most of my work still comes out of Toronto. So I just, I generally am back that evening. If I go do a show, I come back. You know, and if I go somewhere, I go for a few days. No big deal. So I'm always there. And I was always there for that child. She, she was, if she wanted to take a break, if she was like, hey, you know, I'd like to take a shit. I would say, first of all, stop being so goddamn vulgar. All right. Secondly, you go right ahead. Shit it up. Wreck the bathroom. I got this little fella. This little rug-ratted bastard. But he is, maybe it's the tension from me. Because I'm starting to, you, you guys know, I'm starting to feel it. It's tomorrow. 
you know? And so he was just all day like, ah, what? Just mad about everything. And he's a happy child. He is one happy bastard. One of my friends came over to meet him for the first time um, a couple days ago. And he was like, this is, a, this is such a smiley, happy kid. And that's what everybody says about him. Which is one of the reasons, okay? It's one of the reasons that I didn't want to send him to daycare right now. Even though the ship has already sailed. But one of the reasons that we made that decision is he's such a happy child. He's, he's a terrible sleeper. Yeah, we, We've had to hire two professionals to help us coax him into sleeping. But now he sleeps, and once he started sleeping, he turned into the world's most pleasant baby. Maybe that's the key. You know, you sleep-deprive your baby for the first six months. Once he starts sleeping, he'll be like, Guys, guys, I'm super chill now. I love sleeping. And so when I see that this is his personality, and when he goes places, the other kids, especially little girls, they they glom onto him. He's very adorable, guys. But I don't know what it is. Little girls, maybe they mature faster. I don't know what it is. But but like they're always they're pawing at him. One little girl the other day grabbed him by the face and licked his lips many times. To much to Sam's chagrin. He wasn't he was less impressed with it than I was, and I was not very impressed. He started crying, and I'm like, dude, absolutely. Go for it. Wail, my friend. Let that little girl know that she has crossed a line. And the dad, like, to his credit, he tried. He tried to stop his little one from, from licking my boy's mouth. God almighty, still bothers me. He tried to stop her, but, you know, babies are persistent. And he didn't want to, like, I, the thing is, you know, we just met him. We just met him in the park. You know, it was only like our second time ever seeing the guy. And so he didn't want to freak out and, like, grab her. And so he was just trying to do it sort of gently. But I'm like, no, you can go ahead and just grab her. Just take her away now. You know, whatever needs to happen here. Because I can't do it. Right? It's not my. I pretended at one point that um, Sam had some some dirt on his chin. I'm like, oh, let me just get that dirt off there. I just so I could stick my hand in between the mouth and the and the, the licking. And sure, she got the back of my hand. She licked the back of my hand. But you know what? I'm an adult. I can handle it. Poor little bastard. So when I see in these things, like, I just, I don't want to send him to daycare because he's got this lovely disposition, but yet people are still drawn to, to grab his face. And, like, she's not the only one. Like, the little girls, they just grab him. And then they, they tackle him. And while, like, a bit of me is proud as a dad, going, look at that, the ladies already love him. The other part of me is like, he's a baby, and babies aren't, they don't look at the world that way. And he's like, why is everyone always attacking me? So, I just wanted to keep that sweet disposition going. Because they say sometimes, I sifted through the articles. Ladies and gentlemen, I sifted through them because the goddamn go-back-to-work lobby has got so many positive things about the daycares. But the studies... The facts are the facts. The thing is, a lot of these things are opinion pieces. But if you go with the scientific data, which there's not a huge ton of, um, a huge amount of, I should say, uh, there. but what it is is 
they say that some children, and it all depends on the child. That's one of the things they love to say at the end of these studies. It all depends on the child, which means fuck all. Of course it all depends on the child. How, but how does that help me? Anyway, give me your numbers and shut up with your opinion. So the numbers are saying that some kids in daycare, especially boys, uh, can become aggressive. It's not all kids. It depends on the child, guys. But they can become uh, aggressive. And I can see why. Imagine if your parents drop you off and walk away. We're like, we'll see you in eight hours. Good luck with that girl who licks your face. Like, at some point, if Sam, like, we were able to rescue Sam, of course, during the face-licking incident. But if we're not there, and there is one teacher for every three kids, you know, she's dealing with some emergency. Some kid has just shit his pants, right? He's just just shit flying out of, his, out, of, out of the leggings of his pants, and the daycare worker's running over there, and now little Sam and little Lickface, they're, they're sectioned off. He's got, he's got nowhere to run. You know, and she's just going to town. At one point, he's going to have to think, no one's coming to stop this. There's no one to stop this. And like Batman, he will realize it's up to him. And that's, you guys know Batman's personality. He's brooding and angry. Of course he is. He's responsible for stopping the ills of the world. So Sam looks around. I've got to put an end to what is happening to my face. And he'll get mad. I mean, that's what else are you gonna do? He'll and 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 now he's he's shoving kids away. And now to, and then we get reports, oh, your son's aggressive. Well, sure. Sure he's aggressive because he was too adorable. He was too adorable and they clomped onto him. He had to fight for his life. You know, and then he comes home and he's all aggressive. No, say, I will not have it. But I will say that most of you, of course, you go to work. And you, you, if you have kids out there, you have kids in daycare probably, uh, or a nanny's taking care of them. And I'll say this, it generally isn't a big deal if you send them to daycare. In fact, it's often better to send them to daycare because the daycares are very good facilities that have... Um, a lot of interesting toys, a lot of mind-expanding things. They get to interact with new people. You know, there's lots of good that can be done. But it seems like, from everything I'm reading, if you have an educated parent, hello, like myself, guys, I went to university. But no, that's what the study said. If you have an educated uh, parent who has a good uh, what what's the word? Um, fruitful environment? That's not what I'm looking for. I just said I was educated. Jesus Christ. A fulfilling environment? Let's go with that. Um and you and you and especially if you take them out to play dates and you take them out uh to uh drop-ins. Where these drop-in centers around here in Toronto, I don't know what they're like in Sri Lanka, but here in Toronto they're good. And um so if all of that's lined up, they say the primary caregiver 
That is often the best teacher for the child in these very impressionable years. And so, you know what, guys? Look at that. See? I just talked myself right back into it. These these few years, I've been wa- I watched that documentary about uh, the beginning of life or whatever the fuck it was called. And uh, I'll try to swear less around my boy than I do on the podcast. I won't let him listen to the podcast. Let's let's just put it that way. But look, in the Toyota Prius recording studio, what am I? What am I not going to swear my ass off? This is my only chance. So that's what I'm going to do. So in the beginning of life, they were saying that the first three years are a big deal. They're a real big deal. They shape a lot of everything. And so far, I, re- I really like what I see out of this kid. You know, really, Merck? Your own son? You're, uh, you're proud? You're not biased at all? Of course I'm biased. But I do like what I see. Let me tell you something. Nobody's more critical than me of myself and my son and my wife. But, um, like, I'm super worried all the time about, you know, things like autism and, and other developmental disorders and, and, uh, uh, or physical disorders. Or, so I'm constantly scrutinizing him, which I'm sure is great for his self-esteem. So I am looking to see if things are going wrong. And I, to my surprise, he just seems so pleasant and happy and you know, clever. So, fuck it. I'm going to try to keep this going. Now, probably, as you have heard, it's probably my wife. She's the one that does most of the work. In her opinion, all of the work. But uh, I feel like I've contributed. You know? Uh, who introduced him to Stevie Ray Vaughan? Right? And John Lee Hooker. That wasn't my wife. My wife's not blasting Jimi Hendrix and Radiohead. No. No, she's not. She's playing Raffi because she likes Raffi. Sam doesn't like Raffi. Sam dances to Stevie Rayvon. He loves Pride and Joy. His favorite song, I think, is uh, it's Taxman, actually. Off the greatest hits, Taxman. It's upbeat. Oh, and the house is rocking. He likes that one, too. He's, he likes, he likes the, the upbeat songs. He, he dances to them. And it's hilarious. So today, his... Um, his going to bed song is some French song I've talked about on the podcast. La Ballade de Jean. That's another thing. He won't be hearing French from me in the daytime. I'll tell you that much. But anyway, that song was on. And so he was, you know, whining because, like I said, he's been kind of shitty these last two days. Because he knows what's coming. He can feel it. He can feel it because of me and my nervous tension. So I started dancing silly, almost like a, like a Muppet would dance to the song. And he started laughing. And then he fucking started doing it. And me and my wife burst into hysterics. He's starting to get so funny. Like he just immediately started, because I was doing sort of like the Carlton from Fresh Prince. And then he started doing it probably better than me. And uh, it was just hysterically funny. So I'm going to, it's going to be great. I, I worry about my material on stage. I'm going to go on stage and go, and then my baby said this. And people are going to be like, we don't give a fuck, dude. We don't care. Let me tell you something. A lot about, a lot about comedy audiences. Um, they're, they're young. Like the places I go to, they're young. I mean, you, you do a soft seat theater tour, sure, you can get the older people in there. But um, but like the, the club scene, the nighttime. You know, it's, like when I was at that comedy bar talking to my buddy, they, well, me and him were probably the oldest people there. 
he has two kids, and uh, he was talking about them on stage and making reference to, you fucking kids don't even care. And that guy's 38, talking to, like saying kids to an to a, an audience of 150. And he wasn't wrong. None of them had kids. And if they did, it was a total accident. So, yeah. I think, here, here's, here's the problem, guys. Okay? The problem is that my wife is more social than me. And um, she has become the so, some kind of mom uh, event planner. She runs a couple of Facebook groups. There was a the big one in our area just asked her, could you run our group? We see you running the other groups and we're falling apart over here. And so now she's got like 700 members across like three groups and she's moderating these things. And she's so organizing meetups and swim dates and, and French circles and all this shit. And every time we walk down the street, it's like walking down the street with one of my celebrity friends. Except it's my wife, and it was like, "Hey!" And she's she's a celebrity in the mom community. So I, uh, I'm not that, and I'm not gonna be. Like we ran into some lady today, and I just started. And then when we left, I was talking to about her. I'm like, hey, "Yeah, but uh, I thought she worked at this other place." She was like, "Nope, that's a different lady." I was like, "Oh, so it was this place?" "Nope, different lady." And I'm like, "So I've merged all the women I've met into one human being," and uh, so. I'm going to go places, and people are going to know Sam. They're not going to know me. And then when they introduce themselves to me, I'm going to immediately forget who they are. I just, I so so maybe it's all going to fall apart. Maybe the whole reason Sam is all pleasant and social, all that, is because of all the stuff Sarah's doing. And then when I go out ignoring all these other parents, which I'm going to, let's face facts, let's call a spade a spade, I am going to ignore these parents. It's just one of those things. I just I start immediately thinking if I start talking to a parent, oh, God, now I'm going to have to see this person all the time. They're going to want to come over. They're going to ask me to go over. And they do. Like, I mean, every time I'm out with Sarah and we're doing something, hey, why don't you come to a barbecue next Sunday? I'm like, I don't want to, I don't do anything, guys. I You seem like lovely people. But then, you know, and then we go sometimes to things because Sarah makes us. So if there's no one there to make me do it, I'm not going to interact. I mean, Sarah was trying to trying to appease me. She was trying to calm me down and say today, it doesn't really matter. Sam, it's only parallel play. He doesn't actually really interact with other children. He just plays next to them. That's that's the developmental stage that he's in. So it doesn't really matter if he really gets to know some of the kids. Just let him see other kids. So bring him to those drop-ins, plop them down. You know, make sure he doesn't hurt himself and um, let him play with toys next to other children. And uh, and I'll just make it a rule never to use people's names. I'll be like, oh, hey, buckaroo. How you doing, partner? That's from a Brian Regan bit. Hey, buckaroo. Because Brian Regan has a bit about how he never remembers anyone's name. So does Eddie Izzard. So do many comedians, because we're the types of people who don't remember people's names. Our brains are always full of garbage. They're always full of garbage that they don't need to be full of, so you don't remember things like people's goddamn names. But the thing is, I'm willing to make the sacrifice to get to know people 
<laughs> so, funny, I call it a sacrifice. Other people call it life. But I'm willing to make that sacrifice if that helps Sam. But if I don't need to do that, that I think then I will definitely avoid it. I don't know. I think part of me, too, is, look, I'm not perfect, guys. All right? I do feel, I do feel a little old-fashioned right now when I'm about to say this, but I, I am a little bit worried about the notion of being the dad who stays at home. You know, and yes, I still have my career, and I can pursue it as much as I want, but... I'm going to be the one out, and it's and it is primarily women, you know. Uh, my wife went on Facebook, of course, in one of our fucking groups, and was like, "Hey, just looking for things for my uh, hubby to do because he's going to be staying home for the next few months." And then some guys responded, they were like, "Hey, I do that too, and uh, here's some great stuff," and 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 they know my pain. It's just I've been out with my wife, even you know, at these things, and very rarely do you see a man uh, on his own with his child. It's just, it's still primarily women. And uh, and if it is primarily women, and, and even if the, the woman is not the mother, it's the nannies are usually women. And I don't blame them one little bit. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, uh, we all know who pedophiles are. We all know. It's a bunch of white men from 20 to 50. That's who it is. You know, my wife was talking about it the other day. It's funny. We um, we saw a black couple who were running one of the drop-ins. And the, the black dad was there with his black kids. You know, that's how it works. Two black people have black kids. And um, seemed like a lovely guy. And then we left. And Sarah said, you know, it's the funniest thing. Not for one second do I worry about that guy. I'm like, I know. I worry about white men. When I see white men at a daycare or uh, anything that's related to children, I'm like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you up to? Is that your kid? Are you sure? So I get, and that's me. All right, guys, if you can't tell from the podcast, from my voice, and you haven't seen me live, I'm as white as the driven snow. I am, uh, like, if uh, I, I'm of Irish and English uh, descent, and uh, I look like if, a, if an Irishman... And an Englishman had sex with a vampire. That's what I look like. Now, the other thing, of course, to consider in all of these baby-related decisions is the state of my bones. Ladies and gentlemen, I saw the doctor on Thursday. And she said she couldn't find anything. Now, that sounds good, but it is not. It, uh, what happened is, quick recap for those of you who are only listening for the first time, go back and listen to every episode, for God's sake. There's only like 40 of them. You could do it. But quick recap, I thought I had something called TIO, a tumor that was screwing up my ability to absorb phosphate. And because of that, my bones have become very brittle broken a bunch of ribs and um, for no reason, just sitting up, ribs snapping all over the place. So they looked for this tumor and if they found this tumor, they could cut it out and then I could go back to normal. My bones would start to get hard again and everything would be fine. So I was like, yay, we found the cause. 
And then they checked for the tumor, and there is no tumor. And so now they're saying it's a hereditary condition. And that sort of sucks because that means it's a lifelong thing that can't really be reversed 100%. Now, there are things that can be done. Not a lot, but there are things. I'm on a phosphate treatment right now, and it's supposed to give me the shits. That's the main side effect of this treatment. Gives you the shits. Uh, Technical medical term right there. And uh, so far I had one. I have, I've had one treatment. I took it this morning. I am uh, got regular shits here. Don't have the runs. So that's pretty good. You know, that's a good start. Now I'm only on half a dose. I'm supposed to work my way up to a full dose in about 7 to 10 days. Now that may in itself start to put phosphate back into my bones. But um, it may not. Anyway, I have to see a geneticist, but that appointment is not till fucking March. And if they may be able to isolate the gene and then do something from that point on. and um, But that's it. So pretty much it looks like I have a lifelong condition that I may be able to improve with the phosphate treatment. And depending on what the geneticist says, Maybe even more. Maybe I can... Who knows? I'm saying there's no way to reverse it 100%. But maybe these geneticists will be like, Nah, man, we can do that shit these days. Still a rare condition, but now it's called HHRH. Uh, It's hereditary hereditary hypophosphatamic rickets with hypercalcemia. Yeah, that's it. Rolls off the tongue, everybody. TIO, tumor-induced osteomalacia, that sounded way better. Like, mine is rickets, a hereditary form of rickets. That just sounds yucky. It's like, sounds like a bug, crickets. Like, you got rickets? I feel like there's bugs crawling in my bones. I don't like the sound of it. And HHRH, it's not a good substitute. I don't know. I gotta make up, I gotta find out another thing it's called so I can call it that. T-I-O, that was awesome. T-O, I got me to T-O, boys. Don't you guys worry. And then like, oh, boy, what's wrong with you? And people, let me tell you something. Not that I want everybody's sympathy all the time, but it, it, the gravitas, okay, of a tumor. Like when you, people are like, hey, hey, so, uh, what, so what's wrong with you? When they hear, you know, there's something wrong. I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, I have this tumor. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up, buddy. You got a tumor? Man, you're a fucking hero. You're a goddamn warrior. You got a tumor? Jesus. Like, now it's like, I was born with rickets. So you were malnourished or were your parents assholes? Because that's how it sounds. No, it's a hereditary form of rickets. My parents were very nice and they gave me lots of food. But I have rickets. Boo! Boo, get out of here. We want to talk to the guy who had a tumor. That guy sounded badass. And rickets is like it's, you know. Babies have it. Children have it. But mine is different. Mine manifests itself later in life. Fucking bullshit. Anyway, you're thinking, Mark, now you got you got HHRH. You got Maybe I could call it Triple H, like the wrestler. How are you going to take care of your child now? And uh, I don't know. 
That is a question. I asked the doctor, am I fit to take care of the baby? And I, I, I asked her. And she looks at me and she was like, ah, that's tough to say. I was like, you don't help me. You're like those studies that say it depends on the child. So she just started telling me, well, don't pick up the baby like by bending at the waist, pick up the legs. I'm like, I'm not a fucking idiot. But here's the thing. Try to pick up a baby not bending at the waist in a crib. Can't be done. It can't be done. You have to reach over a crib to get a baby. You can't get your legs into that. So my wife's going to come home and my and I'll be leaned over the crib with my spine all broken. No, I'll be fine. In fact, here's what I think was one of the major problems. Like I said, so phosphate is an electrolyte. So I have an electrolyte imbalance. And I have, like, and I said this to my endocrinologist, because I'm smarter than my own endocrinologist, guys. I was, I was teaching her. No, but I, like, I was saying stuff to her, like, uh, like she's, no one's had a lot of experience with this disorder, you know, so, so anything I say is probably helpful to her. And I'm saying to her, listen now, I have had these brain fogs my whole life. Very low energy days. They come and they go. You know, they put me on ADD pills, which is not a real disease. They put me on the ADD pills because they thought I had uh, that. Uh, one of my doctors thought I was depressed um, because I have these these really low energy fogs. And I like hangovers, right? And I think I've talked about this before. So I say that to to the endocrinologist. I'm like, so... It, to me, it almost seems like it's chronic dehydration. And I said, so I've been drinking about two liters of water today, and I feel like a million bucks. Like the pains, the aches and pains that I had in, in my bones, in my hips, in my back, and my feet, they're going away. And just just drinking water. And uh, and I'm saying to her, like, is it related in any way? Is And she was like, I, I don't know, but I got to say, it's funny you mention it. I'm like, is it funny? I mentioned it, Miss Endocrinologist. Why? And she said, because on one of your uh, blood tests, because I, look, guys, I've done 6,000 blood tests, all right? And a couple of them have been related to 24-hour urine analysis, you know, and uh, to try to see how much phosphate and, and calcium I'm leaking out. And uh, she said, on one of those 24-hour tests, it showed that you were dehydrated. And I thought that was odd. I was like, did you? Maybe you could have mentioned that to me. Why am I bringing it up to you? Anyway, they do that, guys. I said that on another podcast, man. You tell the doctor stuff because these people, they don't even bother to mention it. And you'll say something like, hey, so I'm dehydrated. You're like, funny you mention it. Your test said the same thing. Could you have mentioned it? Jesus. Anyway, she said, I thought it was odd, but I figured maybe you just didn't drink a lot on the day of the test. I said, I was doing a 24-hour urine test. I was drinking as much as I could because I wanted to make sure, like, you had to fill up this giant bucket. This, you had to bring in a bucket of piss into the, the clinic. It is really weird, by the way. Carrying around, like, four liters of urine. Weird. So I was drinking extra for these things. And she was like, that's okay. She said, you are such an interesting case. I was like, I'm glad. Glad I'm entertaining you. I'm trying to stay alive here, Doc. And uh, so she's now she's scheduled. Basically, I'm going to drink normally one day, and then I'm going to stop drinking at 9 p.m. and then go in and do uh, a blood test at 9 a.m. And she's going to test for dehydration. She said so. In that 12-hour period, if it shows that you are slightly dehydrated, then 
that should not be the case. And we'll take it from there. And I'm like, all right. But you know what? Like, whatever. You know, I, I, maybe we'll never get to the bottom of it entirely because there's so little literature about this shit that I'm fucking making it up as I go. And, uh, and I have, through my own scientific experiments, I have discovered if I drink about two liters of water a day, I feel like a different person and my bones stop hurting and my neck stops cracking. You know, I don't know what it is, but like it's renal phosphate wasting, right? So it's going, you're peeing it out. There's something wrong with your kidneys, maybe. So maybe if I flush out the kidneys all the time, maybe that helps. I I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe my kidneys are constantly like sucking, like making me pee out too much water. I, I don't, I don't know. Guys, I don't know, but I do know it's working. So we're going to keep doing it. And let me tell you something. If you're out there and you're feeling low energy, drink yourself two liters of water. I'm drinking distilled, even though some naturopath told me don't drink distilled because you, you remove some of your nutrients. I'm not so sure that's true because I read some people who are trying to reverse their bone loss. They say definitely don't drink um, regular spring water or tap water. Go with the distilled and only distilled because... There's nothing in it. And in fact, the other, the spring water takes more minerals and nutrients out of your body. That is what these people are saying who may or may not be right. But most people will always say, you know, you get you. There's all these micronutrients in water, rock particles and shit that your body needs. So don't drink distilled water because that'll flush those things out. But it seems I don't know. I don't know. The osteo community I had joined, my wife joins baby Facebook communities, I join osteoporosis communities, and that one, they were saying that, um, no, the distilled water, man, that's the thing that will keep your let your body keep its nutrients. The spring water is the one that flushes it out. And uh, I got to say, anecdotally, not scientifically, I'm only, I'm only one man, guys. I can't publish a study in the New England Journal of Medicine on me. But I can say anecdotally, when I drink spring water, I get heartburn. I feel like shit. When I drink a ton of distilled water, it tastes good and I feel great. If you're if you're like me and my dad, my dad hates drinking water too. Uh, it's just the taste of it. And, and it gives me heartburn. Oh, here's another trick for heartburn, everybody. Take small sips. This is another thing. After my research on all the things, people are talking about people who have bad tummies like myself, which is one of the reasons probably I've never absorbed my phosphate over the years. I've got so much heartburn and, and acid indigestion. If you take small sips, don't take big gulps. You take big gulps of even water and you will get heartburn. You take small sips, you know, of Gatorade or water or whatever you're, or you're drinking. You're going to be fine. It's like, that's this phosphate treatment. They say it'll probably give you heartburn and the runs. But when I drank the phosphate treatment, because it's an effervescent tablet, which tastes kind of good, actually. Tastes like orange. And it goes into a glass of water. I remembered, you know what helps my tummy when I take little sips? So I took little tiny sips. No heartburn. Didn't get the runs. That's a little, that's some advice from me to you guys. So I, you know what? I think... That with the water thing, I'm going to have enough energy to, to be able to handle this kid. I'm going to teach him stuff. It's not going to be French. My wife, too bad. She speaks French. I don't. But 
I think it's gonna go all right. And I, I think I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it together bones wise. Gonna hold together energy wise. Then I'll probably even excel in the career because I'm now an official man. I've got the dad bod to go with it. Big fucking dad bod. Weird little poochy gut. And just like a torso that just keeps expanding. It's weird. Just just expanding. Just It's like the world is like, oh, listen, no one knows you're a dad enough yet. It's, it's what You're carrying around a child in your arms, sure. But let's just also expand your torso to the point where everyone's like, oh, that's clearly a dad. Where, you know, your jeans sort of fall off and your shirt is just gargantuan. So I will check in with you guys again as soon as I can. I'll let you know how Daddy Daycare is going. It's going to be a great time. Guess there's a new chapter for myself and for you guys listening to myself. So I'll leave it here. Good night and good luck. I said shut up. Goodbye.